Hello, and welcome to SoberCast, where we provide AA speaker meetings and workshops in podcast format. We're an ad-free podcast, and if you enjoy listening, please help us be self-supporting by visiting SoberCast.com, look for the donate link, and drop a dollar or two into our virtual basket. We hope you enjoy the podcast. Have a great day. Good morning, everybody. My name's Jewel. I'm, al- I'm an alcoholic. And as uh, Randy said last night, I got a bunch of problems other than alcohol. Uh, yeah, when I'm just walking away from you. <laughs> I agree. Uh, you know, it's it's uh, really kind of scary up here, even if you're a certified car-carrying ham like me. It's something, uh, it's something really, really special about being in this room on Sunday morning. And I don't care how slick you are, it's difficult to avoid what's in this room this morning. It's just real difficult to do that. I mean, I have tried a few years. I've tried sitting in the back. I have tried sleeping. And I don't know what HP has up for me. It seems like I wake up just in time to be in here at the right time. And the right time is according to what you feel is the right time. Uh, uh, you know, yeah, we, we are alcoholics, and some of us are even alcoholics and drug addicts. Uh, some of us are even alcoholics and drug addicts, especially in this room, who are seeking recovery. You wouldn't be here if you weren't seeking recovery. Um, that's real. A spirituality is, uh, is something that we always talk about in the rooms, and sometimes we try to separate spirituality from the program. You know, we go to a spiritual part of the program, this, that, and the other. I got a friend. We, we, we know him. His name is John C. John C. Is, says uh, trying to separate spirituality from the program is like trying to separate wet from water. You just can't do it. I mean, this program is spiritual in nature. It's spiritual in nature. It's really spiritual. Uh, this morning I want to focus on two great reasons for recovering. I want my life to have its spirit back. First great reason. And the second great reason is so I can help other people. And that's a byproduct of the first reason. If I get my spirit back, I'm naturally going to want to be helping other people. Um, and this whole cycle, this whole 12-step cycle is about that. Um, uh, a byproduct of recovering, you know, we, we you know, we, we ask, um, you know, me, I've always wondered, why do they call it recovery? Why, you know, when I, early on, I used to wonder, why do they call it recovery? You know, you know, what are you going to get your job back or you know, get your car back, get your wife back, you know, get the X off her and, you know, get, you know, get all of that back. Uh, and I thought for a long time, this program ain't material. So what am I recovering? I'm recovering my spirit. I'm recovering my life. You know, this, you know, you know, that for a few years ago, they used to say, get a life. And I, I think that really is what applied to us. Um, you know, we, we, we talk about this non-material stuff. You know, we talk about stuff we can't see. We talk about miracles. And, uh, the young gentleman yesterday that spoke in the, uh, Magic and the Power of the Steps, who, I, who, um, was very impressive to me, um, uh, our young friend Chris, Chris, I really appreciate your message because, see, what it points out to me, no matter what perspective you come from, 
This disease don't care whether you're 9, 19, 29, 99. It really don't care. And and guess what? Recovery don't care whether you're 9, 19, 29, or 19 either. It works the same both ways. It works the same both ways. And uh, uh, Chris's perspective on, I mean, here's a little capsule on what it was like. Even though it was a short what it was like, we understood what it was like listening to Chris talk, you know. I kind of want to kind of focus on what happened a little bit and uh, what it is like now, this morning, now. Um, that's the great gift from God, the present. That's what we have. We don't, we don't have in 20 seconds, and we've used up 10 seconds ago, what we got is now. We are here in the moment, this morning. And uh, uh, Noel said about spirituality. His definition of spirituality was uh, me delivering myself to you and you you delivering yourself to me and me allowing you to do that. Me allowing you to deliver yourself to me. Um, And if if you check this weekend, you saw little clumps of people everywhere, strangers, friends, old friends, new friends, little clumps of people delivering themselves to each other. And smiling about it, or agonizing over some pain that some other of us were helping them overcome. That's not material. You don't, you know, I think uh, Doc said last night, or Sherlock, or somebody said last night, that is priceless. You can't put a number on that. You can't put a value or quality on that. It's just, it's just you know, you can't do it. All you can do is experience it and grow from it. That's what happened to me this week. I delivered myself to one of my friends, and he allowed me to deliver myself to him, and I got some healing. Um, uh, You know, we talk about, you know, I'm going to go straight to God. You know, when I got in here, I was scared for you to say God to me. God, you know, I'm just going to say God. God. I'm going to go to God today. This is Sunday morning at the Rock. We talk about higher power and stuff like that, but it's about God, you know, and it's about how God expresses Himself to us because we are some very skeptical guys. I am, you know. My mom and dad, when I was little, I used to uh, hear them talk about ghosts and stuff. Although I was petrified of them, I really wanted to see one, you know. <laughs> Show me one of them suckers. <laughs> I want to see how one of them, why y'all so scared of them then, you know? Uh, uh, and, and that's kind of how we are with God, you know? We're like, yeah, right, sure, God, uh-huh. You know? Uh, you know, in the first, roughly the first third of the last decade, the, 19th, the 20th century, we learned something very important about treatment of this disease. We learned something real important. We learned that recovery in groups is very efficient. We learned that this disease can be treated in groups very efficiently. You know, up until then, you know, many of us were going to our deaths agonizingly and alone. Many of us had no chance with this disease because we fought it desperately by ourselves. And we lost one at a time. You know, I, my grandfather fought this disease alone. He was introduced enough to AA, but he didn't stay. 
and he died alone from this disease. Um, his best buddy, Mr. James G., shot himself in the head alone in a baseball field, alone from this disease. Most of us who lead the pack and who, uh, you know, relapse, get back out there and die, we usually die alone or found alone, found abandoned by our using buddy. You know, found abandoned, but, you know, alone. We found alone. You know, somebody was talking this morning about one of their friends being in the home, in the house, five days dead before anybody missed him. He was alone for five days. Alone, you know. But but the, the beautiful thing that I want to emphasize is that almost a 100 years ago now, we were blessed with the idea of covering in groups of two or more. Two or more. Two or more of us together um, is very significant when it comes to stopping the suffering from this disease. Two or more people with the same idea can battle and successfully defeat this disease. You know, um, uh, we've discovered that, uh, you know, when you deliver yourself to me and I allow you to, live, to deliver yourself and I allow myself to be delivered to you, that is at once a spiritual act, and at the same time, it is a prime ingredient in treating this disease. They're both mutually together. They're both the same thing, one and the same, spiritual and recovery all at once. Um, that's the wet and the water. Now, if this is uh, if this is real and this is true, and I'm all I'm just postulating up here. I'm not a preacher, as y'all well know. I'm not a preacher. Uh, I'm not a theologian. Um, I'm just a step above my buddy Doc. I'm a lawyer, you know. He's a <laughs> so, you know, we, you know, I get, I get one notch, of, one little glint more of respect than the used car salesmen out there. You know? <laughs> but it's a bunch of, <laughs> but it's a bunch of guys out there with legal training. Now, don't be ashamed. Just raise your hand with legal training. Legal training. Come on, Craig. Come on. Don't be scared. I see him back there. All right. But, you know, stay in the program now, so it's do we not cheat him and how? <laughs> do we not cheat him and how? Uh, but, uh, you know, this coming together thing, I think it's an expression of God. I think when we get together, it's an expression of God. You know, I think that... Uh, You know, when we when we do this, it's an expression of God. Now, why is an expression of God necessary? And it goes back to us being skeptical. You know, it's us needing to know that God exists. We need to know that. You know, um, it's for those of us who are very skeptical, for those of us who are very angry, this and that and the other. Now, you can't be angry at something that don't exist. You know, you fellas that I was angry at God, good, because at least, you imply that God exists, something I can be pissed at, you know. Um, but most of us ain't got that kind of courage to go around saying we pissed at God, you know. Most of us just would rather say, nah, God don't exist. Or if he does, show me him. Give me a sign. 
you know, and then we have to be skillful at seeing what the sign is. I submit to you, when two of us get together um, to fight this disease, that is an expression of God. Okay. When we show up in a meeting together and we share our common objective of treating this disease, that in itself is an expression of God. Okay? Now, there are all sorts of expressions of God, but that is one of them. Uh, I think God wants us to know he exists. And I think, I think that's, I think that's what he wants us to do. And, um, one of the things I, I believe is that we are potentially some of the most beautiful expressions of God on the planet. We're the highest life form. We have intellect. We have all sorts of emotions. We have, we are some of the highest forms of, of God expression. But there are other expressions, and, and, and to us, the main expressions are these. Honesty is an expression of God. Hope is an expression of God. Faith is a form of expression of God. Courage is an expression of God. Integrity is an expression of God. Willingness is an expression of God. Humility, brotherly love, discipline perseverance, the mere awareness of God, and service. These are the principles of our 12 steps, and I submit to you they are forms of expressions of God. Um, Now, why do we need these expressions of God? I think we need these expressions of God so that we can become expressions of God, individual expressions of God. Now, honesty is very important. Because I have to diagnose myself. You cannot diagnose me. I will not let you. I'm too arrogant, too self-centered, and I'm too consumed with denial for anybody to tell me I have this disease. I must do it myself. The mere fact that you're sitting here today means that you've come a long way, a very substantial part of the way, in diagnosing your disease. Now, honesty is also important because I need to continue to be honest with myself to understand that I had at one time lost my spirit and it is possible to lose it again. I have to be able to tell myself that at one time my spirit was gone. You know, see, see when I started using And when I started medicating myself and I became obsessed with using, my spirit for life slipped away, and I didn't even know it was gone. I couldn't even tell you I didn't have it because it went away so suddenly, I didn't didn't even know it was gone. You know, when I looked around at the bottom, when I looked around, all I saw was my life had come this far in a handbasket that somebody was chasing me to catch up and give it back to me. Most people were trying to give me my life back, and I didn't even know it. You know, sort of like, you know, you, you get in a car and you uh, leave your attache case on the trunk and you drive off. You think you've got everything you need, but it's playing down the street behind you in a, in a hail or wake of wind, and I don't even know it's gone, you know. And if I'm lucky to get it back, I have to remember that I am capable of leaving it on the trunk. I have to remember that. 
I'm capable of losing my spirit again. Because if I don't remember that I'm capable of losing my spirit again, I will lose it again. and don't even know it's gone. That's why honesty is so important. The longer I stay clean, the longer I stay sober, the more my honesty has to keep up with this progressive disease because, as my friend Melvin says, the disease is, is doing calisthenics. It's getting stronger every day. You know, if it's a progressive disease, as they say it is, the disease is progressive and fatal. Um, then, then uh, you know, it's getting stronger as I stay here. Because I'm here does not in, in, ensure that I won't ever use again. I have to do that. Simply because I'm here does not ensure that I will not use again. Um, now, step two, the hope step, offers us our first kind of like practical glimpse of God in recovery. Um, he's, speaking, he's spoken of the first time in terms of a power greater than ourselves. Why? Because if we were told it was God, we'd probably get up and leave. I would have got up and left because I'm a Baptist. And, um, I, you know, I was, I was kind of fed up with religion. Not that I am not a religious person or anything like that, but I really knew that religion was not going to help me with this. And if it's, it appeared to be religion too quick to me, I would have lost hope too quickly. But I needed to know. And this is a dilemma. Step two presents a very subtle dilemma in our, in our recovery program because many of us have tried religious ideals, have tried religious aspirations, have tried religious involvement, and it did not keep us from using. And we misinterpret that with thinking that God would not keep us from using. Well, I submit to you that uh, um, what the hope is, is that we, it's, what, it's in what we believe. You know, that's where, that's where the dichotomy comes. That's where the problem comes. It comes in what I believe. You know, what I'm willing to believe, what I come here believing, or what I decide to believe. You know, that's the, what I call the, the hope formula. And step two is belief plus power. And that equals the promise of restoration. That's all it, that's all it comes up to in step two. Just a promise that you can get better. That's all. You know, no more than that. It's not the whole show. It's just a promise that you might get better if you believe in this power. You know, this spiritual power. You know, if you believe in this power, if you believe in the power that's in this room today, there's a promise that you might get better. You know, that's all step two is. We talk about the insanity, we, you know, but this, the insanity is that we're already crazy. We want to get off of that. We're already without a life. We want it back. We're already without a spirit. We want it back. And there's a promise that you might get it back. We're not talking about money. We're not talking about women. We're not talking about fame and fortune. We're talking about life. We're talking about the stuff that we enjoy this weekend. You know, the, the way we feel now. You know what I mean? The way we feel right now. Ain't no, ain't no impending sense of doom in here right now. You know, I'm willing to go with that. You know, that's life. That's what we want back. We want this. We want this kind of peace. That's what I was searching for. That's why I went to happy hour. I was misguided. You know, I was searching in places where it wasn't going to be found. I just didn't know no better. You know, I was confusing um, my hedonism with spirituality. You know, I just like to feel good. 
I didn't care how it came. You know, free base, acid, liquor, however, you know, orgasms, however it came. You know, I just wanted to feel good. And I was looking for it that way. But all of it was fleeting. It never, never was permanent. You know, they cut the lights on and off at 12. You know what I mean? The sun rises. You know, you wake up next to her and go, ooh. <laughs> you know what I mean? It was always fleeting. It never really stayed. You know, it was never permanent. This stuff that you got right here, guess what? It's going to keep for a minute. It's going to keep. Every time you run into one of us, between now and next October, it's going to light up. Every time we see one another. You know, I bumped into one of my friends on, on the downtown Peace Street. We both lit up, man. Hugged, people walking by us going. <laughs> you know what I mean? But that's all right. You see, we're two drunks. Getting better. We got, we got the upper hand, the inside track, all that good stuff. On peace. Peace. I mean, real peace. The promise of restoration, that's hope. The promise that I would get my life back. You know, and it don't stick out there and say, you know, it's not, an, it's not a promotion game. It's not, this is not a promotion game. This ain't a game where we go around advertising every, look, we are not promoted in here. We say, we say March 23rd, 24th, 25th, and people pile up at the door. You know what I mean? We say June 1, 2, and 3, everybody's pulling up paper, signing, filling out, you know. This is not a promotion game. We don't say, look, you know, we don't advertise on television. We don't do none of that. Those of us who know, come. Those of us who see this, follow it. You know, I, I was in the cabin the other night, and one of my friends in cabin 44 was talking about how guys came back down to Jacksonville area beaming about this program, and he said, mm, I'm going to see what these knockers doing down there. You know, he wanted to come see what was here. Nobody advertised this. You know, like like uh, Jimmy Smith would say, it was in his, their faces. It was in their faces. The question now is, will I participate in being an expression of God. And in the book, the first place where we decide that we're going to do that is the third step prayer. I want to read the prayer to you. The prayer said, God, I offer myself to thee to build with me, to do with me as thy will. Relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. Pretty decent little phrase right there. Take away my difficulties, that victory over them may bear witness. Another neat little phrase. To those, I will help of thy power, thy love, and thy way of life. May I do thy will always. Okay? Now, this is the third step prayer, gentlemen. And it is, it is two places where I commit to be an expression of God. One, I want to better do his will. And I want to be witness to his power. Me. I want to do that. Those of you who have done a, a, a third step, that's what you want to do. That's what you have decided. You ain't doing it yet. You've decided to do that. How about that? How about that? 
That's pretty neat. Committing to the army of God. That's scary too, ain't it? Well, I done found out something that I ain't been turned into no Hare Krishna. I ain't been trapped in no booth at the airport giving out pamphlets. Uh, you know, I ain't none of that has happened. You know, I ain't foaming at the mouth. I ain't rolling. I ain't dancing with snakes or nothing. Uh, none of that has happened to me. That was all what I wanted. I wanted to believe so I could put off making the decision. See, believing what you believe is very important. That's why it's the second. That's why it's a part of the second step. What you believe is very important. What you even think you believe is very important because of the guides of behavior. And I always say our disease hides in our behavior. That's where it is. You know, it manifests itself in what I do. You know, so I think one of the safest places to run is straight to God. God, I want to be on your side, please. <laughs> Don't let it get me, God, please. But you're asking one of the best place resources you can ask. Because people are ducked as soon as they see it coming too, man. You know, when they see this disease coming at your ass, they fire you, <laughs> quit, divorce you, you know, quit hanging out with you. People are duck and run, man, from this disease. You know what I mean? You know, we're the only ones that group up and try to do something about it. We're the only ones. <laughs> you laugh, but hey, I'd rather be with y'all than be with some of them folk out there that, you know, cut and run on you, you know? We do not cut and run. We hug. We hold. We hang in there with one another. We call. You know, we show up at the meeting where we've been invited to by our friends now. We looking forward to hanging with new buddies. We stick together. That's spiritual. The spirit of recovery. That's what we are. That's what we exemplify. Now, once I decided to do that, I got to do a few things. I got to do my inventory. I got to discuss what I find with God and another human being. You know, I got to become willing to change. They told me in the early meetings that I used to go to that uh, the guy that comes in here and pick up a white chip and don't change will use again. So way down here, about uh, halfway through the steps, they say, okay, now you got all this other stuff. You're willing to, you know, you're willing to become a messenger and all this. Now you got to be willing to change. And they used to say, go off for half a century, change as much as you can, come back, and we'll see what's going on. You know. You know, I got friends in here who I've watched change. I got friends in here who've watched me change. You know, um, and we have to keep track because we don't know. I don't know what's going on. I'm in here. I'm in here driving. I don't know where. You know, we have to see what's up. You know, we have to watch each other and see what how we grow. But you got to be willing to grow. If you ain't willing to grow, you ain't going nowhere. Uh, now, uh, the seventh step, I call it the giant step of humility. Um, this is where my earlier decision back in step three becomes an example of God's power and, and love. You know, my early decision to become an example of God's power and love, uh, I make this affirmative, this affirmative 
commitment now in step seven. And here's how step seven sounds. My creator, I am now willing that you should have all of me, good and bad. I pray that you would remove from me every single defect of character which stands in the way of my usefulness to you and my fellows. Grant me strength to go out from here and do your bidding. So be it. That's the seven-step prayer. I'm asking God to help me become better. Not better for me. I just get the fringe benefits. I just get the payback from being a prepared instrument of the higher power. Becoming useful to you. I got to be useful to me. You know, you're high quality, very worthy, individual children of God. And if I'm going to help God help you, I got to be pretty well off. He's going to treat me pretty good. If he's going to use me, he's going he gonna to help you. I got to benefit. Especially if I'm a willing participant. Now, some of us are not so willing a participant, and we also become examples. <laughs> you know, God ain't, God is not, he's very efficient. He uses all of his resources. And if you ain't participating, you know, here, look over there. Look at that guy. You don't do like that, do you? You know? <laughs> look at him, boy. Look at him. Look at that. Look, he's always out. You don't do like that, do you? You know, that's still being useful to God. Believe it or not. You know, God don't play, man. <laughs> you know, he's cold-blooded. He really is. He's cold. I mean, he, he oof. I'm scared to fool with him. I ain't going to never say I'm pissed at him. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. You man. <laughs> you the man, bro. What you, what you need? <laughs> Can I go get it for you? <laughs> You know what I mean? You know, right after that, you got to stop. You got to become willing to stop harming other people, including yourself. That's step eight, brotherly love. You know, that's a powerful deal, man. You become willing to stop harming somebody, you know, including yourself. You know, and this is important to, to today's topic, you know, because I am the subject. You individual guys are the subject, you know. And then we gotta we gotta uh, start treating them people who we become willing to to stop harming. We gotta start treating them differently, one day at a time. You know, that's what an amend is to me. Is I just gotta start. I gotta stop causing you pain, and I gotta start treating you better than I was in the past, or at least differently than I was in the past. You know, I gotta start at least treating you differently. You know, I might not, I might, you know, I can't, I can't be resentful at you and cause you any more pain if I'm going to become this, this, this expression of God, this beautiful expression of God. I can't do that. You know, I have to change the nature of my relationship to you away from what it was if I were causing you harm. Now, you know, we, we, you know, we, we try to, uh, how should I say, interpolate this word harm, you know, so we can get away with doing it to you. And still be spiritually and still be beautiful and all this good stuff. But if you expand the definition of harm, 
wide enough, you have to stop doing it. You have to stop hurting that person. You expand it wide enough. What we want to do is we want to narrow it down. Well, I just kicked her on the shin. I didn't kick her in the ass. <laughs> you know. That ain't, that ain't, you know, if kicking on the shin, if you expand it wide enough to include kicking on the shin, you have to stop kicking. You know, you just have to stop doing it. You know. We have to, uh, that's, that's, that's pretty important. Now, um, you know, I said it earlier, but Noah always said this, and it's always been something that stuck with me. And, 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 and this ain't, this ain't about being, you know, becoming holy. This is about becoming healed. You know, we suffer from a disease. We suffer from an insult to our, our person with this disease, just like any other insult to our person, just like hepatitis, just like AIDS. It's an insult to our personalities. It's an insult to our person. You know, the disease of alcoholism, drug addiction is an insult to us. It's not, it's not something that um, we, would, we would voluntarily heap on ourselves. We wouldn't do, I wouldn't voluntarily heap AIDS on myself. I wouldn't voluntarily heap hepatitis on myself. And I surely don't voluntarily heap this disease on myself. Once I acquire it, though, I'm responsible to heal myself from it as if I, if, just as I would have any other disease. You know, if I have a cold, I go get cold medicine. If I have a headache, I go get aspirin or whatever painkiller I need to abate the pain. So this ain't about becoming holier than thou. This isn't a moral endeavor. It's only moral to the extent that it's my behavior that my, my disease manifests itself in, okay? You know, that's, that's what, um, that's where my disease hides. It hides in my behavior, you know. Then, the, um, you know, we got this sign back here behind Thomas's head. It says, the spiritual life is not a theory. We have to live it. And uh, I call uh, the promises the covenant for healing. <coughs> a covenant for healing. It says, if you, do, if you are painstaking about this phase of your development, it says, if you are painstaking about this phase of your development, you qualify for some things. You don't qualify for them unless you are painstaking about this phase, this one. You know, this weekend stuff that we've been doing. This phase, if we get in it, dig deep, and do some things, we are promised something. Only if we do it. It's a contract. It ain't unilateral at all. We might, well, the promises ain't coming through in my life. What am I doing? You ain't painstaking. It's, it's, it's logical. <laughs> it's logical. You ain't painstaking. I mean, it's logical, it's right? There. I'm not making. You know, y'all say I'm a lawyer. I this. It's not my. It's in the book. I'm just reading the words. The black. I'm, I'm on the black and white stuff. You know what I mean? Not nothing elaborate. I'm on the black and white stuff. It's right there. You know. You know. It says if you're painstaking, you will be amazed. How many of you have been amazed this weekend? Now I got another little, I got another little plum for you. This is a, this is a simple program, guys. It don't take much to be painstaking in here. It don't take much. It really don't. You got here Friday. You could have been somewhere else. <coughs> You really could have been somewhere else. 
you know. You go to meetings. You really could be doing something else. You really could be. You know, you, you stick out a hand and you try to help somebody, including yourself, and you really could be doing something else, you know. It takes a lot of work to not be painstaking in this program. You have to really, really be slovenly not to be getting these promises. If you ain't getting these promises, you are a spiritually lazy individual and you need to get with it. <laughs> you know, I mean, hey, you need to do that. You really do. And then, you know, the book is arrogant. It says, are these extravagant promises? <laughs> huh? Then, uh, in step 10, we got to keep track of our progress. Make sure we ain't slipping, you know? Got to keep track because this is a living process. It ain't bland. It's not an event. It's a living process. Recovery is a living process. You know what I mean? If, if, it ain't static. You can't get it right here and leave it alone and it'll be there when you get back. You know what I mean? It's, it's like, you know, a rowboat in the river, you know. You can't just stop rowing in the river and expect you're going to be right in front of the same tree you was looking at ten minutes ago. You're going to float away, you know. So you got to persevere. you got to keep track. you got to stay vigilant because the disease is... <laughs> the disease is getting ready for you to slip. It's getting ready for you to relax. It don't play, man. I mean, the disease is so bad you need God. How about that? I mean, you need it. I'm, you know, I'm not afraid to tell you that I have God in my life. And I'm so glad. Because this disease will whoop my little pilly butt like I stole something. I can't say redheaded stepchild. I just can't. <laughs> Now, the 11th step is about the awareness of God. Now, if you don't come all this way and you're still having questions about whether or not God exists, I'm going to have to tell you like my sponsor told me, then you just need to go back to the beginning and start over because you can't go this far and don't be with God. Don't be looking for him. I look for him. I seek him out. I mean, and I'm beginning to be pretty good at it, too. You know, you know, in a room like this, he right here. He right here right now. That's why in the, in, the, in, the, in the big book, they could tell you in a meeting, every time they have a meeting, may you find him now. Because all you have to do is look up, and he's right there. <laughs> in any meeting that we attend, God is there. He's available. To that man that's looking for him right then. You know? Now, a conscious expression of God. This is a big step. Some people might even want to call it arrogant, an arrogant step. But I don't, I don't think it's anything is arrogant about knowing I'm an instrument of God's peace. And, um, on page 99 in the 12 and 12, um, there's the prayer of St. Francis. And then the prayer, the prayer of St. Francis is really just one, one prayer. One praying for one thing. And it's praying, 
Lord, make me an instrument of thy peace. Why do I want to become an instrument of thy peace? Well, I want to become an interest. I want to become a channel of God's peace that where there is hatred, I may bring love. That where there is wrong, I may bring the spirit of forgiveness. That where there is discord, I may bring harmony. That where there is error, I may bring truth. That where there is doubt, I may bring faith. That where there is despair, I may bring hope. That where there are shadows, I may bring light. That where there is sadness, I may bring joy. Lord, grant that I may seek rather to comfort than to be comforted. To understand rather than to be understood. To love rather than to be loved. For it is by forgiving that one finds forgiveness. It is by dying that one is awakened to eternal life. Amen. So be it. That's the prayer of St. Francis. That's a prayer that's given to us. Let's not sit there for some poetic, you know, flowering of the literature. Because this disease is too serious. This disease is too deadly. <laughs> to have poetry in these books just for poetry's sake. And this disease is so, so, so hideous. And it manifests itself in all sorts of ways in all of our lives. So we got to do the exact opposite of what it's doing to us to survive. We got to do the exact opposite of what comes natural to us. It's natural for me to create a mess so I can sneak away in a fog of confusion. So my denial can rest unabated and with impunity. It's natural for me to create a mess so that you won't see mine. You know. So if I'm really, really about recovering from this disease, I pray for this. I want to become a channel of God's peace. Why? If I'm a channel of God's peace, you know, ain't too much, ain't too much madness going to be in my life. It ain't too much going to be there. You know, and I need peace. I mean, I really need peace. I'm going to have to take my time and read this to you because uh, it's a pretty important statement. In addition to the relief from suffering, in addition to the miraculous return to the mainstream of living, in addition to the psychic change that each of us experience as we progress through this wonderful transformation that we call recovery, in addition to all of the above, we also, we also get the amazingly incidental privilege of enhancing our ability to demonstrate God's presence. How about that? I mean, that's pretty deep for a guy like me, man. You know, um, uh, I started using dope when I was 13. I started drinking my grandmama's brandy before I was knee-high to her. I could never get anything right, although I had the best of intentions the entire time. I could never get anything right. I, I graduated high school because I was putting up a front. 
I had a dysfunctional family, and I didn't want y'all to know it. So I got all my grades, joined the patrol, ran down person snatchers, did all those heroic things, just so y'all would think my family was better than I thought it was. And when I got away from that, I, I became, you know, a garden variety drunken junkie. You know, the gift that God had given me had slipped away, and I didn't even know it was gone. <clears throat> Only after I got here, and y'all introduced me to a new way of living, that my life kind of came back in little bits and pieces. Now, I say bits and pieces because that's how it came back. Now, uh, one of the amazing things I found out after I got here is that there are, there are individuals here who were shining, bright shining stars. You know, um, we talk about Bill Hollingsworth, and um, Bill Hollingsworth was, oh man, this guy was so inclusive. Um, he, he, he was a regular old drunk. I don't want to make him too, too iconic or nothing like that because, uh, you know, for the first couple of workshops I came to, I'd be gone for six months and come back and he'd be, hey, Jewel, how you doing? And I, I really, really, really was amazed that this guy could remember my name for six months, you know. And then I got curious and I asked him, I said, Bill, how do you know me? How do you know my name after all these six months? He said, it's very simple. I just read name tags. <laughs> and he laughed at me because, you know. <laughs> so I learned something from him. I read name tags. Uh, but how do I become a channel of God's peace? The question really is why do I become a channel of God's peace? Not how. Because if you're asking uh, why, then you already have. You're already a channel. You know. If you're asking how, you're ready to go with it. You know, why is the issue. And the next step, after 11, is service. Having had a spiritual awakening, as a result of these steps, we carry this message and practice these principles. That's why. Not how. You've already done that. If you've gotten this far, how is a foregone conclusion. It's why. No. It's really why. To carry the message, to practice these principles, to help others, to help others. This process we call recovery, this transformation, this transition, changes us into beacons of hope. Each one of us becomes a beacon of hope. You know, um, if I improve my life, I also become, I also improve my message. You know, I also improve God's message. I might, I could easily transform in these rooms from the God message that says, hey, you don't want to be like him, to hey, you do want to be like him. Almost instantly. You know? I must be an expression of God if I'm going, if I'm going to have peace. I mean, real peace. I'm not talking about a respite. You know, when the, when the collection guy ain't found your new number yet, that ain't peace. <laughs> you know, when, when, when the, when the uh, child support lawyer ain't finally got the sheriff to serve you in the right place because you're in a happy house, that is not peace. 
you know, you know, in a little in a little period of time between the time that you violate probation and they issue the warrant, that is not peace. Okay, that's a respite. You know, I'm talking about real peace. I'm talking about this. This is peace. There's no chaos in this room. This is serenity this morning. You know, the problem is I've never had an example of it, so I'm having to learn how to hang. You know, I'm having to learn how to be okay with it. You know, I'll, I'll knee-jerk back in the chaos because that's all I know. <laughs> but this is it. If you stick around long enough, you can deal with it. You'll know that's what it is, and you'll be okay. But this is it. You newcomers, this is it. You know, and I got some fellas out here that we've been hanging for a while. We know this is it. You know? Yeah. I want to quote you a scripture from the Bible. You are the light of the whole world. A city built on a hill cannot be hid. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a bowl. Instead, he puts it on a lampstand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, your light must shine before people so that they can see the good things that you do and praise your Father in heaven. It's Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 through 16. I must let the message come through. I, you, must let your message come through. You're not only here just to be here. You're here to become a messenger. You're here to carry this message of hope. Each one of us are here to carry this message of hope. Each one of us are a message of hope. It must shine. Now, can I get you to do something for me? I want you to repeat a phrase with me. Could you please stand? Okay, we're going to do it one word at a time so we don't mess it up, okay? <laughs> Y'all ready? This. This. Little. Little. Light. Light. Of. Of. My. My. I'm. I'm. Going to. Going to. Let. Let. It. it. Shine. shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Let it shine. Thank you. Thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. Sobercast is ad-free, and we'd like your help in order to keep it that way. So if you'd like to help us be self-supporting by pledging a dollar to a month, visit Sobercast.com and look for the donate links. Thank you very much.